Hello, welcome to Forefront 360, a podcast where we take you all around the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. I'm your host, Cody Schweikert, and I've got a rowdy crew of gentlemen with me tonight on this Monday evening, uh, and we're going to tackle an age-old question. Should Christians watch Quentin Tarantino movies? Boom. This is a special episode we decided to do because we felt like it. Uncomfortable yeah, silences. I know. It's like, uh... Uma Thurman. That's Uma Thurman quote, guys. Come on. get, get oh, Wake up. Sorry, wake up. I'm sorry. Okay. It, it is Monday night. Warm us up. Get in the Tarantino world here. All right. <laughs> Uh, before we dive into that question, though, let me introduce the gang. We've got uh, The Usual Suspects, which is another great movie, not directed by Quentin Tarantino. Not directed by him, yeah. But uh, Nate Mancini's here. Nate, how are you, my man? Hello there. I'm doing very well. Thanks for hosting us here. A little apprehensive about this podcast. Nate, so listeners, Nate is probably the best, I, I, I could say this maybe, probably the best man among us, and mm-hmm. he's a little nervous about this. He. Oh. He doesn't know where we're going to go with this. He's a little on edge. <laughs> Probably but, the most uh, knowledgeable about film, though. Right. Yeah, so he, he we couldn't do it be, without him. He needed to be here, right. and uh, <laughs> I've we've promised to behave on the show tonight. Um, we'll see how it goes. Hey, so supposedly I'm the best man among us. Uh, allegedly, supposedly I know the most about film. However, I've seen the least amount of Tarantino movies. So, well, we need your perspective. That could be an answer to the question in itself. We'll see what people have to say. We also have the rich Chrisman in the house tonight. That's guys. Calm down. I know we, this is the last time we record in front of a live audience because you guys are insane. Oh man. Is this even allowed during COVID? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. You guys back up six feet apart. Rich, how are you, my man? I'm doing just fine. You look wonderful, man. You're wearing a tie. I always got to comment on what you're wearing. Overdressed um, here. Uh, it's got little American flags on it because we want the youths to uh, get out and vote. So, well, do, hey, uh, okay. Different American tie every day this week. That's about as close to political as we get yeah. at Forefront. Yeah, but we will yeah. say, yeah, go vote. I mean, you could vote for your favorite Tarantino film, which is what I want the kids to we vote. We will you be doing do that. that. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what you meant. Mm, yeah, yeah, of course. Most importantly, friends, we have a special guest here tonight. He <laughs> is a dear friend of ours. His name is Chris Widmer. Now, Chris. Uh, you don't know Chris if you listen to the show, but if you've ever enjoyed a Forefront event, you are probably a beneficiary of the kind volunteering work that Chris Widmer has done. You've been a friend of Forefront ever since you've been in the picture, man. <laughs> yes, and indeed. it is about time we give you a chance to to join us on the show here and discuss something you love. You've yes. got a special affinity for Tarantino. I what's do. what's your connection with the, the school and Tarantino and Quentin and Yeah, so um so I studied uh film studies at Grove City College mm-hmm. north of Pittsburgh and uh communications. Um and uh we had advanced film study and a lot of stuff was over Tarantino and just kind of the way he directs and the way he does films. So um I've always loved his films and you know, the unique way he does that. So I'm hoping. Well, how controversial so, of you. So ringing Grove City College endorsement sounds I know. Like. Yeah. I know. <laughs> just get, Legendary no. film school. Legendary <laughs> film school. I will say that uh, Chris Widmer is the reason why I've seen more than two Tarantino there films. You go. So well, there that's you go. pretty cool. Well, and we'll get into that. We're going we're gonna to get us rolling here in this episode. We're going to talk a little theology. Some lay people talking theology, right? None of us have a PhD or master's in theology, and so uh, we don't claim to be experts here in answering this question, the final authority or anything like that. But just going to be some some folks that love Jesus talking about uh, what's what's kind of a rich question and a complex one. So we're going to tackle that the best we can. Um, and by rich, I mean densely layered, not like, Rich, you need to tell us what to do here. Though you can, we'll a, invite you for that. It's a rich I'm question also, with a rich answer. <laughs> yeah, tough to, you know, 
figure out here because I'm pretty densely layered that, as well. I was going to say. I was going to say. Yeah, with the tie and everything. But you, you didn't study uh, film at Grove City College. so No, I did study communications, but uh, oh, well, I stayed with the written word. Oh, oh. You're in for a treat here. So, friends, good it's a script writer too, so that works. That's true. Tarantino is the king of dialogue. He and calls we'll get to that. that. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Good segue here because Tarantino, if you don't know who he is or why we would decide to do a special episode called Should Christians Watch Tarantino Movies is because, uh, well, I'll tell you about him if you don't know. Um, you've probably at least heard of some of his films. In addition to some like peripheral side projects, he's directed Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill Volume 1, Kill Bill Volume 2, Inglorious Bastards, uh, Django Unchained, The Hateful Eight, and most recently, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. His films are known for graphic violence, pop culture references, his bold style, and as Rich just alluded to, masterfully constructed dialogue. So we got nothing wrong with excellence here at Forefront. In, in fact, we encourage it, right? So the, the films are excellent, which is why uh, it, is, it is awfully tempting to enjoy them, right? Um, it they are awfully violent and shocking and, and graphic in lots of ways too, which makes it kind of murky waters we're walking through here. Uh, but I just wanted to open it up, open up the floor here. Uh, the reason we're here tonight is is to tackle this question. And who wants to get the ball rolling? What do we think here? What are our thoughts? I've been doing quite, quite a bit of thinking, you know, obviously kind of leading up to this mm-hmm. and just kind of thinking of some parallels you know, between the Christian faith and how we're commanded to to live it out, mm-hmm. and trying to see how if there is any kind of parallel between that and the way Tarantino does films, mm. and what I kind of um, thought about and came up with was sort of the idea where you know how we we are as Christians commanded to be set apart. We're not following the crowd. We're not doing things that you know that you know that the general mainstream would do. That's the cookie cutter you know way that people quote unquote live their lives. Which, although it doesn't have a Christian aspect or, you know, in many cases, not even a religious aspect in any way, uh, you know, the films of Quentin Tarantino and the way that he writes and does his film and all of his work that he's done um, is really, you know, he said, I'm doing this because I think that it's the best way to do things. I'm doing it, you know, I don't, you know, I, I, you know, I'm doing it not because I'm following the crowd. I'm doing things differently. And I believe, you know, that just because I'm not following the crowd doesn't make me relevant. You know, not relevant, and I, and I, and I think that that's what makes his, and and I think that's what makes him as a director so polarizing, mm-hmm. and that's why the people that love his his films, such as myself, um, love his films so much because of that passion. Where he's like, I, you know, I'm I'm doing this because this is what I want to do, and what I think is the best way, and you know, the rest of the rest of Hollywood. You know, it doesn't have to agree with me, but that's right. okay. And yeah. and we've, that's such a great point. And we've sat around watching these movies and we look at each other and awe. sometimes we're like, is he allowed to do that in a movie? Like he yeah. just put that graphic in or said that or referenced this like pop culture thing. Is he allowed to do that? Right. And he just doesn't care, right? He plays by his own rules. And in a lot of ways, so do Christians. Interesting. Yeah. Got to respect somebody, uh, you know, I, it's easier for me. And I don't know if this is a Christian response. I'm just being honest. Um, it's easier for me to respect someone that I very much disagree with who is clear and confident in their conviction in what's right than mm. it is for me to... It's hard for me to respect somebody who just like goes with the flow and maybe is open to different ideas in different contexts. You know, And hasn't so, thought about something Yeah, carefully. so you know, even if I... Uh, 
you know, this is more broad reaching than Tarantino, but like, even if, you know, like I have a lot of respect for a lot of artists that I don't agree with them or their work necessarily, but I respect them as an artist because mm-hmm. of the clarity with which they do their work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I prefer warm or cold rather than lukewarm. Yep. Yeah. I'd mm. spit that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How very Christ-like. Nate, where are you at in this, man? What are you feeling? Tell me about, uh, you have a complicated relationship with this topic because you've seen a few of them. I, we just a year ago went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and theaters together. And you initiated that, right? I didn't even, I don't remember pressuring you. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how do you think about when he comes up in conversations, how do you think about him? Well, I think that the most interesting thing uh, for me with Tarantino is this idea of justice that, that when I think about his movies, I think about the fact that at least in the three that I've seen, uh, I've only seen Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And in all of those movies, um, the bad guys get what they deserve at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Tarantino, what they deserve is basically uh, being like destroyed, uh, <laughs> often, <laughs> often in gruesome ways. And um, so obviously as, as Christians, we believe that justice is very important and we serve a just God. Um, but God does say, you know, vengeance is mine. I will repay. So as Christians, we're not supposed to be the ones, um, you know, killing people that we think are bad. So I think that that's, it's a really interesting thing about Tarantino where on the one hand, I, I really, I, I'm glad that his films have a sense of justice that, you know, he doesn't allow like things to happen or bad things to happen. And then there's just no justice. And it's like complete murk murk in the waters. Like he makes it very clear at the end, like, like, you know, who you like and who you hate. And like the people who, who essentially are the bad guys throughout the film, like, get their just desserts and and at the end you're like wow like you know (laughs) everything kind of worked out even though it was kind of horrible like the process was horrible (laughs) but like justice was done in a way um and so that's i think that's the most interesting factor for me about his movies and, and what makes them worth uh you know watching and talking about um, but I, but I think that there there are those two sides to it. Where on the one hand, I respect it, and I think that's it's great that they have an aspect of justice. But on the other hand, I think in the process of how he like deals out justice in his movies, there is always a lot of gore, and that's one of the things that he's known for. Mm-hmm. And it's um it's it's often like very graphic and very violent. And so I think that there's also a danger there that we can have almost like a sick joy or like, or a, or a gleefulness as we like watch people be destroyed. And I think that that is uh, a bad thing because as Christians, I I don't want to be happy to, to watch people get destroyed. I think justice is a very like solemn thing. And I think in Tarantino's movies, a lot of times it's almost like this gleeful, crazy, instant, mm-hmm. gory thing. And you're, it's supposed to be like shock and awe kind of thing rather than that solemnity of, of evil getting destroyed. Um, so that's, that's the complicated relationship mm-hmm. I have with it. I think it's you know a valid thing to, to watch and talk about, but I think we've got to be really careful with it um, so that we don't, don't fall into just... Uh, just being happy about destruction mayhem and yeah well let, let me let me follow in on that real quick and ask about you know we read about the book of revelations book that's you know notoriously hard to interpret and all that but 
we do see uh, Jesus executing justice and using violence to do so, right? He, God doesn't say vengeance is wrong. He says it's mine, right? So mm-hmm. point taken. Uh, is there... I've never, I've never really thought of this idea of uh, being solemn, you know, even though justice is good, the reaction of God's people as they uh, support, participate, watch from the sidelines. I don't know how any of that will work when the king comes back, you know, to wrap up history and there's judgment. Uh, I always kind of thought of it like, hey, because it's him doing it, we can celebrate and we there is joy and there's cheer and it's not uh, it's not a lighthearted thing or a, a flippant thing, but it's a good thing, and it could cause us to sing praise. Um, I, that's how, that's how I always pictured it, but I'm not sure that may very well be. Yeah. I mean, at the end of time, if Jesus is meeting out justice, like he's the one who gets to deliver justice, and there there, I'm sure there'll be some aspect of praise to it. Um, but I think like the destruction of human souls is ultimately going to be. Mm-hmm. Like a, there is a solemnity to that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you, not something you, you know, laugh about, like no, you like not, you might in a Tarantino film. Yeah, right. and in a Tarantino film, like not only is it not Jesus <laughs> meeting out sure, justice, sure. but it is. Uh, it's often done in a way that's. It, it seems like it's kind of supposed to make you laugh, like almost it like is. kind of a, like a sick laughter. It's supposed to be over the top. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and 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 I think you're supposed to kind of be conflicted about it and be like, oh, should I be happy about this, right? And so that's that's where that that um dichotomy lies right where we can we can go on either side of it and we can kind of use that in a healthy way or we can fall into that other side of it that i think is dark mm-hmm. let me let me throw this verse out here and i want reactions from everyone here so this is philippians 4 8 finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things so, so, any reactions as I read that? I think it could be used to to say Christians shouldn't be watching this, and I also think it could be used to say the opposite. But I mean, the, these things are so... Uh, we live in a fallen world mm-hmm. that is full of the good things that God created and the sin that we allowed to manifest and participate in manifesting. So, there is no thing that we're going to look at um, that is all good and unmarred by sin, unfortunately, except Christ. And so I and think... And the office. Christ and the office. The office is... Yeah. De- debatable. We can watch The Office. Yeah, right? yeah. That's a different episode. Yeah. All right. I'm proud to say I've only seen two episodes of The Office. You're proud about that? Proud about that? Yeah. Okay. I can't, okay. I can't yeah. address that yeah. right now. Well, that's, yeah. a, that's a whole other... <laughs> I, I, uh, we can talk about this on a whole different we will. podcast. We will. I have, uh, <laughs> I have a strong will. feeling against... Uh, sitcoms i just don't like them. yeah that's right they're very uh Uh, they seem very hollow to me but okay um, well compared to tarantino (laughs) but um anyway i was saying that the um so nothing is uh you know going to be purely good that we look at Mm -hmm. on on earth so this is a very difficult question because um there are good and beautiful things in tarantino movies he deals with a lot of realities that may be harsh or soft realities Mm -hmm. um he also does his films in a very artistic and carefully designed Mm -hmm. and beautiful way so there are 
you know, the reason I, I would say, the, I would bet that the reason why we're talking about Quentin Tarantino movies on an arts podcast is because he is a great artist. He right. does, he makes films better than the majority of directors out there, I would mm-hmm. say. Yep. Um, so that's good. But on the other hand, um, how much good on the scale, uh, you know, how much right. can we weigh the bad? And I think that, and I'm sure we'll get into this more, I think that Tarantino movies, uh, it, it depends on the movie too. Yeah. I think that sure. he, I think that there are, uh, I'll get into this later, um, unless now's the right time, but I think there are almost like two different classes of Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I have a different answer depending on what, which type of oh, film. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Rich. I didn't yeah. even go there wow. in my mind. Going deep. Let's hey, save that. Hey, yeah. it's, it's those deep layers. Deeply layered. It's yeah. deeply it's rich, layered. It's deeply rich. Deeply layered rich. Yeah. It's rich. Answer. What rich do you want? answers, yeah. I guess. Now this is podcasting. <laughs> so real quick for our listeners, we throw these little sound bites in. But Nate, it, it's, I got to pull back the curtain here, so to speak, on the show and just have you the explain. Wizard of Oz. Will you explain quickly how we put that together? Huge Star Wars fans on this program. And we just please tell our listeners how, how you put that one together. Sure, absolutely. So yeah, this is um, Should Christians Watch Tarantino Movies, not Should Christians Watch George Lucas Movies. Uh, Which that, we already figured out the answer was yes. We, we already <laughs> talked about that, you know, if you listen to our last Jedi or Rise of Skywalker podcast. But um, yeah, so we were talking about, about sound bites that we could use and... And, uh, and, 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 and I just said, you know, now this is podcasting and it just was perfect. Cause Anakin right. at one point says, uh, now this is pod racing. And so of course the difficulty with that is you have this, this word race in there, um, instead of the word cast. And so we had to, we had to find the word cast to put in there. So we'd say podcasting instead of pod racing. So, um, I looked at some Jake Lloyd interviews <laughs> and, uh, and so this, this is the guy who plays Anakin and I got the, the same voice and he was, he said the word cast in one of the interviews. So I pulled that out and stuck it in and, uh, made the music match throughout. So yeah, I, now we have I, this perfect, just, we talk about piece. excellent art on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, talk about excellent. Par excellence yeah. right here. We yeah, and I just my only reaction when you shared that a few minutes ago is that we don't pay you enough, man. I mean that's we had to spotlight you there. Sorry to embarrass you, friends. If you're not uh, fans you. of Star Wars, sorry about that. If you are, there you go. And ultimately, the fact that we don't pay Nate enough is really on you guys as the listeners. Yeah. You really right. should get more sure. people well, listening, listen, we and we should monetize. And yeah. you just talk I mean, about Forefront Three Sixty yeah. Forefrontfestival dot com slash donate. Yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. right. Tarantino should be sponsoring this pod that's, right now. But he probably will once he hears it. Once he hears it, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, one more time. Now this is podcasting. <laughs> you hear that little, uh, it's smooth, baby. It's seamless. Don't yeah, let anybody I, tell you I differently. Can't no tell seams. Seams. I can't even well, tell. That was not <laughs> so I, I share that. Actually, before I keep blabbing here, Chris, yeah. did you have thoughts about, uh, you've been listening for a few minutes. Do you have anything? Yeah, I was kind of kind of li- listening to what uh, Rich was saying, kind of about you know how we are, this is a fallen world. And so we are, uh, you know, there really is no thing that is purely good. Um, but I think the important part, you know, like Rich was saying, is that there are good, there are good, what I would consider good and evil elements, you know, um, in everything, including these movies. And I would say, you know, that there are, you know, that the important thing with us as Christians is being able to decipher between the good and the bad, to be able to see something and not be, you know, blinded by, you know, things, be able to, you know, to, you know, you, you know, the rightly divide truth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there are great things, you know, there's, you know, you know, there's parental love, the loss of a child, you know, there's, you know, family, you know, mm-hmm. you know, 
marriages have been broken and come back together, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. I mean, you know, there, there are very, you know, redeemable qualities at the same time. There are people in there who are completely, you know, just, just devoid of all goodness who are just morally corrupt and, um, you know, and kind of going off what, what Nate was saying, you know, it, it, it does kind of give that idea of that, you know, that justification of when they, you know, when they sort of, you know, get what's coming to them, mm-hmm. you know, th- th- this idea where, you know, not necessarily it's necessarily um, complete and utter good versus evil, but it's definitely a, a positive, a positive ideal or a positive attitude mm-hmm. versus a negative ideal or negative attitude. I think I call it positive and negative, not good, not, not good and bad. Yeah. It's important for us to remember too that while we are supposed to dwell on those things listed in the verse that you read, um, it is true that we do live in a fallen world and we do need to like we need to recognize yeah. the fact that there is evil in the world. Well, fi- whatever is true, which yeah. is a positive sounding thing, but true things can be there are hard truths, yeah, right? Sure. Yeah. And I, I interviewed Dr. Myers a couple of years ago and I asked him a question kind of about like what, what are Christian poets allowed to write about, you know? And he's like, Well, write you know, write about true things. You can write about dark things and hard realities and you don't have to pretend that the world is all sunshine and rainbows, right? So yeah, I, I think that passage can be mm-hmm. supported e- either way. Um I let me ask you this though. As I'm watching a Tarantino movie, I'm so like captivated by the dialogue and like how funny and memorable the lines are yeah. that there is this real strong desire in me to just start dropping f bombs and to just like yeah. speak differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, the question is, do you feel that way too? And b, this is a super weird place to go. But what is this thing about cursing, and why is uh, why are certain words and sounds we make with our mouth wrong? And I think they are, but what is that in the heart that is stirred up? I don't know. There's there's something there that mm-hmm. comes alive in me when I'm watching Tarantino movies mm-hmm. that I don't feel great about, but yeah. it, it, it exists. I mean, to respond to the second question, I mean, the first question, I don't think that I particularly, personally, I don't think that I feel necessarily drawn to speak in the way that they do. However, you know, I walk away with two times swagger than what you had. No, no. But however, I will, I will be the first to say that I do not have the cleanest mouth in the world in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I'm, you know, coming from. Oh, so you're like that all the time, Rich. Oh, no, but I definitely, <laughs> I definitely do not uh, speak as well as I should. So I don't, maybe the gap is not as big as for other people, yeah. unfortunately, but I do think that uh, to answer the second question, I think that our, if you distill what our sin nature is, um, you know, what is sin? I think it's, it's, it's selfishness, but it's also a proclivity toward disorder. And Mm -hmm. we want, we want to be able to do whatever we want. We want to break out of whatever parameters are set for us. You know, do eat of anything in the garden except that tree. Mm -hmm. And we're like, you can use any word in the English language, but not those. Mm -hmm. And we're like, those are the ones those I want to say. Those feel good you know out of I mean? my mouth. Yeah. Right. And I think that the, I think there's two. Uh, so, so that's for one. I think that we, we have this deep desire to do the things that we are told we shouldn't do. Right. By our nature. And then secondly, I think that our language has come 
uh, English teacher here. Mm-hmm. I think our language has evolved um, over time to a point where curse words have be- have evolved and and uh, become so common in our American speech that they have actually become like Swiss Army knives in our language mm-hmm. yeah. that they can evoke emotion so much easier than other words can. Yeah. Not not necessarily saying better. But um, unfortunately, for those of us that try to keep pure things in our mouths, um, it is hard because certain words have become incredibly useful and you can pack a lot of a punch with, you know, one or two words. The easiest way that I can convey frustration or anger Mm -hmm. is using a curse word, right? you know, and it almost sounds unrealistic or stuffy to try to express genuine anger Mm -hmm. without using any curse words. You know, yeah, it's just weird because it's something we don't talk about often. Because you wouldn't walk up to our pastor and be like, "Hey, how the bleep are you, Kevin?" You know, you wouldn't do that. But also, like, we don't, we don't Kev- often. Kevin, if you're listening, we hope you're well. <laughs> we hope you're Have well. Have a great day. Have a great day, Kevin. We love you. We would never. We don't curse. If you're listening to this, we're perfect people, yep. and you have nothing to worry about. Your yep. sheep are fine. Very clean. <laughs> uh, more, more truthfully. Uh, why does it, I don't know. It just does it sometimes feels totally appropriate. And I don't know why we never talk about like the moral reason behind, like, don't say these 10 words, but it would be so out of place if we just started talking flippantly like that in church and right. in other contexts. And it's just interesting to me. And I don't know if we need to go any further, well, but I mean, j- just a quick comment on that. I, I think it goes a lot, off, a lot off of the, um, kind of, kind of two points. One is sort of, you know, you know, that, that it is the taboo nature that, that, that it kind of draws us in. But it's also like this idea of, of like, um, acceptance. So like, if I was talking to you guys and I like dropped in an obscenity, mm-hmm. you guys are like, Oh, that's okay. It's almost like I, you know, it's almost like, you know, Oh, I, I got away with that. That that's okay. It's kind of like this thing. And so it's like that, it's like that almost like a little idea of kind of like a little, little bit of like an unknown challenge, you know, and, and then, and then, like once you and I know, okay, I use that word, <laughs> you use that word. We're okay if we use those words, and it's kind of like, okay, we've we've ascended to like a level of understanding. It's and, a secret club. Yeah, it's like a secret <laughs> club. It's kind of like I wouldn't go into, you know, to my boss and say that word, right? But if my boss were to say something off color or you know use one of those words, you know, out of frustration, you know, while I'm in the room. I, perfectly honest, would have this feeling like, oh, you know, he's pretty chill. You know, he feels comfortable with me. Sure. You know, he he's okay. You you know, we're on the same level. I'm not, not saying that's a good thing. It's right, per se. But yeah, that it's right. That but, is what's happening in those but, moments. But it actually, it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, you use that word, and I use that word, <laughs> and we're both okay with it. All right, I guess we have something in common now. Yeah, the proverbial Overton window has been shifted. Exactly. And now exactly. everybody in the room has accepted a new reality. It's like, okay, right. okay, we can all take a deep breath. It's okay for us to so be casual. Interesting. So in interesting. Yeah. Because if you take the language out of these movies, then it's kind of a different conversation. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Now, interestingly, I, I, I'm glad, Cody, you, you brought it back to, to you know the language in the movies themselves. I think that the Tarantino movies are different in that regard, too. I mean, I remember, uh, like, in film history class, we were going to watch Pulp Fiction, but you could, like, decide whether you wanted to watch any of the movies. It was always optional. And I opted not to watch Pulp Fiction because I looked at what was in it and I was like, 
I, I just don't think I can deal with this level of obscenity. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't watch it. Um, I have seen other Tarantino movies that, to me at least, don't seem to have that level mm -hmm. of obscenity. No, they don't own. I mean, they don't own. No. I think some of them are much more light in that regard. So I would just say, if you are somebody who who is sensitive to that and 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 maybe rightly has a, a conscience issue on that in that regard, um, it is a good thing to look up and yes. and, and see because because I think these movies differ a lot. Mm -hmm. They do, yeah. and specifically, you, I'm glad you brought up Kevin a minute ago because when he was on our pod, he distinguished between. <laughs> We asked him, I think, something about this, right? Like, yeah. what what should Christians enjoy? What can we enjoy and what can't we, right? Yeah. And he said something like, well, you know, violence is one thing, right? Uh, sexual content is different because in Braveheart, you know, a guy gets impaled in a spear and then the director yells cut and yeah. he just, whatever, he's not actually impaled by a spear. Never actually happened. Right. And with sexual scenes, it's just different. It yeah. is actually a, a true, like, intimate moment, whether it's supposed to be or not, there is there is stuff happening that's real, right? Whereas yeah. the violence is totally fake. I'm assuming Tarantino's not actually doing these things to people, <laughs> right? So um, I don't know. There's there's something there. However, like you said, Pulp Fiction has, it's mostly just graphic violence, right? Mm -hmm. But there are a few of the movies that have more sexual stuff and not not a lot of graphic nudity in, nudity in any of the movies, right? right? So, but there are just bizarre he likes to shock you and make you uncomfortable yeah. and yeah some movies i don't know rich yeah. you were talking about this earlier right yeah so th this is everything we say is going to be a little dicey here in this conversation <laughs> so i'll just preface that for the rest of the things i say but the um yeah i i think that and i was thinking about this as you guys were talking about the language like yes the language is very would be is very offensive to you know most viewers of tarantino movies he does that probably purposely, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, but I, when you were talking about the language, I was thinking to myself that really the, the language wasn't even something that I considered really when thinking about what I was going to say uh, in this conversation, yeah. because the language doesn't offend me nearly as much as I wouldn't even say the sexual content. Cause it's not like there's a lot of visual sexual content in his movies for the most part. I would say it's the, his movies, they present to us an environment in which very dirty and or disordered sexual things are commonplace. Mm -hmm. And we should just accept that that is what some people do. Like that's a, like, wow, that's weird. But mm -hmm. like, I guess it's out there. You know what I mean? And I think that particularly, um, you know, not to be a Christian podcast harping on sex stuff, but I think that the uh, I think that there really is, like Kevin said, I think there really is a difference um, in the way that like we he, humans we are wont to sin in tons of ways, but I think that when it, I think in general when we watch violence being done to people, it doesn't make us in general I think want to get up off the couch and say you know what. People should be able to shoot each other in the street. Like, that would really be great. Let's scalp some folks. Yeah, or even if I see someone scalping someone in the cul-de-sac, I should mm -hmm. be like, you know what? People scalp. You know, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's like, like, okay. scalp. Yeah, like, like, I don't think, like... <laughs> Just the way they're expressing themselves. Exactly. And I don't, I don't think that we are at that point yet in our culture. Oh. Uh, however, I do think that, you know, when Tarantino decides to 
shock his viewers with like a very strange sexual suggestion. I, I do think that that kind of moves our cultural tick marks a little bit. And I don't know. I think I think that is kind of dangerous. Just kind of there in the air and in the water uh, of the movie. Can I make sure. A and, and again, before I even <laughs> get off this, I just want to point out again, for those of you, if anyone's listening and you haven't seen a lot of Tarantino movies, I would never say, like, if someone was like, are Tarantino movies really sexual? I would actually say no. I, I don't. No, they, not really. They're not really, known for that at all. No, not at all. So it's not even like, oh, wow, these are really sexual. You should avoid that for that reason. No. I do think, though, that perhaps one of the most damaging moves that Tarantino has made, though, is setting again setting up that kind of environment where like anything goes yeah sexually yeah yeah hold on how i was gonna say can i ask requests that we somehow get a just a sound clip just a, yes. like a text tone of just the well people scalp people Pe- people scalp now yeah. people scalp now uh, guess that's a they thing scalp now <laughs> this is nate's vision of tonight uh, it is not what he wanted it's not, <laughs> not that's from the godfather for those oh my you. goodness so friends i'm gonna open the floor up for i've got one last little point i'd like to just throw out into the open uh but are there final thoughts before i do that and then we're going to transition into uh, uh just kind of more discussion about tarantino's movies I mean, I think kind of like one, 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 one last note that I have, you know, just kind of having studied a lot of film and have seen, you know, the, the films of Quentin Tarantino is that, you know, you know, the most important thing is that, you know, is you go into it with the right mind, you know, just like with anything, whether it be, you know, um, any other TV show or let's say alcohol or something like that, there, there are people that are going to react a different way to things. Um, and you know, and if, and if you feel that watching this, you know, watching the content that's in a Tarantino film is going to be something that's going to trigger an emotion that is going to lead down, you know, is going to lead you to be drawn in a negative path. then I think it's best to avoid. Yeah. But if it's something that you know, you want to go, you want to discern like, this is good, this is evil and see it literally as, you know, black, white, you know, mm-hmm. and be able to see that, then I, I, I think just like with every other aspect of our life, you know, we walk into work, we walk into, you know, we walk into church, we walk into, you know, our favorite restaurant or watch our favorite TV show. And we have to, we have to have that mindset, especially as Christians, but as human beings where this is okay, this is not. And, and you're not saying that, oh, morality is subjective. No. I scout people. It's just something no. I'm comfortable with. What no. you're saying is there are some issues, yeah. there's some grave, fuzzy things exactly. that, that are permissible for some people and, yes. and not for others, and yeah. that's totally okay. And yeah. that's, I think, where my mind goes is <laughs> to that chapter in Romans 14. Uh, I won't read the whole thing, but Paul's talking about... You know, some of you want to eat vegetables and some of you don't want to. and You want to eat everything. And guess what? You're both right. Chill out. Get out of each other's business and kind of mm-hmm. fear God and, and obey him and uh, be discerning and be wise and, like, think about how the things you're consuming are shaping your mind and make sure your mind is renewed. And I, I think this probably falls in, you know, should Christians watch Tarantino movies, I think it probably falls in that uh um, umbrella mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah i would say that as well yeah yeah i think a lot of things in the christian life are issues of conscience uh we don't talk a ton about conscience now mm-hmm. because it it feels like a, like a jiminy cricket kind of thing like let your conscience be your guide and it just feels mm-hmm. kind of like i don't know fundamentalist or something mm-hmm. but i think it's it's absolutely right that a lot of things are issues of conscience and i think that hey if we're christians the holy spirit indwells us 
you can actually rely on the Holy Spirit to actually tell you if something's right or wrong. That absolutely happens. And you will feel a twinge in your conscience when you're doing something wrong, when you're watching something you shouldn't be watching. Uh, and you ought, to, you ought to listen to that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like Cody said, I mean, Paul, Paul, does Paul teach objective morality or subjective morality? Well, he teaches both. The reality is some things are objectively moral or immoral. Mm-hmm. Other things, there's a subjective morality that takes place that is defined based on on your conscience and, and the work of the Spirit. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's allowable, but I think that you got to ask the right questions and you got to ask, yeah. like, where what is this film doing to you or for you? Yep. I think, too, in the Spirit of Grace, it's also useful for us to remember that um, each of us is likely at a different place in our Mm -hmm. road of sanctification. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I try to remind myself often that some uh, revelation that, you know, God, the Holy Spirit allowed me to to come to at some point in my life recently, uh, maybe not has dawned on another Christian. And not Mm -hmm. that I shouldn't share, you know, my newfound insights, you know, in the Christian life with them. But uh, I shouldn't assume that everyone is at the same theological understanding or spiritual development or, or sanctification point right. as me. Right. Right on. And so finally, I would say we're about to get into just why we love him because he is an excellent artist and we're going we're gonna to just enjoy that for the next few minutes. But uh, for real, if you're like, hey, I just, I just don't want to take that in and you guys aren't persuasive and, uh, you know, I'm not in, uh, you are... We love you, and you're not missing out on anything because uh, the kingdom of God will lack nothing, right? So okay. if you never watch a Tarantino movie, you are going to be just fine a thousand years from now, I promise you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, uh, but for the rest of you, uh, let's dive into um, what we what we love about these movies. And Nate, you said you've seen three of them, right? And Interest, interestingly, your point about revenge. Am I wrong, boys, in saying that the three movies he's yeah. stated are the most are the driven most, by yeah. revenge, yes, right? Absolutely. Well, I guess Kill Bill is pretty revenge driven. So I defined yeah. a pattern that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, no, it exists. Uh, yeah, but I mean, the, the entire, I think, especially with those, um, that, you know, so, some of them are a. Are a changing of factual events. Histor- yeah, history revision. Yeah, hi- history revision. And the other one was, I, I mean, frankly, all three of them are, are historical yeah. in nature. I yeah. mean, the other ones aren't quite as, quite as historical, yeah. no. but all of these are based on either, you know, quote-unquote real events mm-hmm. or, um, you know, real people or at least an actual idea and time frame that, yeah. that was a pivotal turning point in, in, in American history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. so when I said earlier that I feel like there are two categories of tarantino movie this is exactly what i was thinking and i uh it's funny actually that those are the three that nate has seen because my uh opinion on the tarantino films uh kind of splits when i look at the the canon so far because i think that the three that nate said so again um inglorious bastards django unchained and once upon a time in hollywood Mm -hmm. i think all three of those tarantino is showing us what we want, which is justice, like we were talking about, being doled out against a great evil in our mm-hmm. society. So we have, you know, the 
great evil of the the slave South. Mm-hmm. We have the Nazi regime, mm-hmm. and we have serial killers, Manson family, the murders. Manson yeah. family. And so I think that those three movies almost are in a category of their own, in my opinion, because, um, and I'll let you guys take this where you will, but my the way I kind of see them is you got those three where Tarantino is taking these great evils of history and showing us what he wishes could be, could be done Which is to wonderful. those evils. Good yeah. things. Yeah. Evil should be destroyed. Um, With a flamethrower sometimes, if sometimes necessary. It's, I, you know, the... But I think the other Tarantino movies, I think Tarantino strays into a dangerous territory, which is he plays with the same level of violence and gore mm-hmm. and, you know, death being meted and all this stuff with characters that are not clearly that are not Adolf Hitler. Good or evil. <laughs> yeah. So in almost all of his other movies, the we're not really sure like who like who is the bad guy i'm mm-hmm. putting air quotes right. who is good and i i would argue that in almost all if not all of tarantino's other movies there really aren't any good guys no and so i think that the there's a big difference because there are clearly heroes in the 3 that nate has seen ja- jackie brown is a saint and i resent that okay <laughs> jackie brown is a saint we're getting we're getting into it now boys yeah. uh I love this. I, I actually read that there Tarantino in an interview uh, a few years ago talked about how there are two, you know how he's nuts about his movies and he's yeah. got like this whole universe, right? And there's all these little Easter eggs. And if you really dive deep, you can find some crazy stuff on the internet, but he's talked about how the fact that there are really two universes in his movies, right? So there are the realer than real world movies. So you get like Pulp Fiction, um, Oh, your Kill Bill, probably. Well, well, actually, Kill Bill would fall in what he calls the, uh, like the the movie movie, okay. right? So it's like Vincent Vega of Pulp Fiction would go to the movies and see uh, Kill Bill, right? Oh, and gotcha. Vincent Vega and Sam Jacks, they're they're talking about Jules and and Vince Vega. They're talking about like McDonald's and they're talking about going to Amsterdam and they're really much like very much in the real world. Yeah. Whereas Kill Bill is, I don't know, in his mind yeah. at least, no, there's this. Yeah. Well, there's, there's also a clear line between Kill Bill is very unrealistic in a lot yeah. of ways, yeah. and Pulp Fiction is very is realistic, very realistic, ultra realistic. Right? Res- <laughs> Reservoir Dogs yeah. would fall in, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Super realistic, right? Right. Um, so anyway, there's okay. that. Do we do we jump right into rankings? How are we feeling? I I don't see why not. I think that is a good way to open up our yeah. thoughts about a couple of mm-hmm. these films. Yeah. Okay. Nate, you're starting. Okay. The easiest list since I've only seen three. That's right. Uh, so my ranking would be first, Inglorious Bastards, next, Django Unchained, and finally, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Inglorious is the best, then Django, then Hollywood. Okay. All right. Solid list. And I think that that's, I don't know, I feel pretty good about that. Like, Do you? Yeah. I, I feel like that's that's a valid ranking because like Inglorious Bastards is like one of the highest ranked Tarantino films in in my knowledge. You guys may know better, um, but I, but a lot of people seem to think that that's like a it's like one of his famous movies. Um, Django, I thought the script was incredible. I think it won for best screenplay that year. It did. Um, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, good movie. I just thought it was it was a very slow burn. Yeah, but slow burn for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I should preface the rest of this conversation with the fact that I don't think 
he's made a bad movie and like critically he just hasn't made like a yeah a movie that's just been really bad and we're talking we're not talking uh, again these peripheral projects and for some reason we're not counting death proof i made that call but i'm not sure why because yeah. he directed it right yeah he he, he directed he, but but i don't think it's considered part of the it doesn't count in his 10 right he said he's making 10 movies uh, yeah, if i'm not wrong it's because he was part of a team creating death right proof. Yeah. right so that we're not wrong. talking about death proof but other than that the movies I read at the beginning, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill 1, Kill Bill 2, Inglourious Bastards, Django Unchained, The Hate Flight, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, all critical successes, right? So these rankings, I like all these movies, yeah. but uh, we are going to rank them. Rich, do you want to go next? Sure. Um, yeah, it's going to be hard to do this without de- peppering defenses in, in there. But I think, um, I think we just read it uh, and then attack. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then attack. attack. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Scalp me. Um, okay. <laughs> well, so, people do that. Yeah. People do that now. <laughs> All right. So, m- number one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Two, Inglorious Bastards. Three, Django Unchained. Four, Jackie Brown. Five, Reservoir Dogs. Six, Pulp Fiction. Seven, Hateful Eight. Eight, Kill Bill One. Nine, Kill Bill Two. Wow. Where did you put uh, Pulp so you're Fiction? Saying- I have reasons for everything. Uh, it was uh, I will say it was very difficult to make this list and I changed it like four or five times while making it. So I'm not really like set in stone on a lot of these things. But So um, just understand you're saying that that Hollywood is your favorite yes. and that Kill Bill Two is your least favorite. Yes. Okay. Okay. I just want to make and, sure and, we're going the right way. And order. it's and I have again, it was hard for me uh to make the decision whether or not this ranking was truly in whether I think, you know, my number one was the best film he's ever made or like did i enjoy it the most it's difficult to draw those distinctions but yeah so i got hollywood one bastards two django three jackie brown four reservoir dogs five pulp fiction six hateful eight seven kill bill one and two wow um where'd you put hateful eight sorry number seven Okay. okay so you you put the three that i've seen at the top yeah, which well, is great. I'm I, glad I've seen Nate, the best one. Nate, I well, think, I just think according, according, to according to me. But, <laughs> but wait, I think this reveals something forefront 360 listeners. Uh, I think this reveals something, which is that I think Nate and I, um, the co-leaders of Forefront Festival, Are the most um, like the moral compass. I yeah. think. There I think. That, well, I don't think I'm, I'm a moral <laughs> compass, but I do. I do think that Nate and I both have a very high value for the distinction of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why those stand out for me is because I feel joy, whether it's sinful or not, when evil is destroyed. And it bothers me, which we'll get to later, hopefully. <laughs> the reason why Reservoir Dogs is a tough movie for me is because like, there are scenes where bad people are doing bad things to other bad people, and it's very hard for me to get yeah. over that. So, Yeah, amazing. Amazing. This is going to get good. But I'll tell you super quick. The reason why I put Hollywood at the top is because, and this was hard for me, so I thought it was so interesting that Nate put it at three. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why I put that at the top is because I feel like Hollywood does the two things that Tarantino does best in one. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is Hollywood has the very real world style dialogue, and we see many scenes of just mm-hmm. real life in real time. But it's also one of his history revision movies. Yes. Yeah. So he's like, we get the It does both. Yeah. So we get we get this and you said it was a slow burn. That's one of the reasons why I love it. Like we get this scene with Brad Pitt feeding his dog. 
you know, which is, you know, that sort like of thing. An eight minute clip in <laughs> yeah. the trailer. And then we get the scene of DiCaprio flame throwing people, you know, so you get like yeah. both of that in the same film. Right. <laughs> Amazing. Gotcha. Very good. Chris, are you ready or do, yeah, we, no, do no. we have any more bones to pick with Rich? I think I'm no. going to come back to Rich. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll come back to Rich. But what, what's funny is, so I just want to recap. So, Nate, you had, you had Bastards, Django, Hollywood. Yeah, correct. And yep. you had Hollywood, Django. Bastards, Django. Bastards, Django. Chris, I, should you read from the bottom going up? Well, see. Well, <laughs> I think that will confuse people personally. Well, I think there's a there's a, like a... There's like yeah. a suspense that builds. Uh, like, oh, what's his I'll, number one? We're I'll getting go there. With, I'll, I'll, I'll go with least favorite to most favorite. Thank oh, you boy. for me. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, so least favorite, Jackie Brown. Boo. I know. Continue. I know. We'll continue. Um, eight, Hateful Eight, which, which I didn't intend to do. but um, th- Then Reservoir Dogs, number seven. Number six is Kill Bill 1. Uh, five is Kill Bill 2. Um, then four is Pulp Fiction. Then my three, two, and one are Glorious Bastards, Hollywood, Django Unchained. Django Unchained being the top. Wait, give me your three again. So, top three again. So three is in Glorious Bastards. Two, once, once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Number one is Django Unchained. Oh, my gosh. All right. I, I You like Kill Bill 2 better than Kill Bill 1. I, I do. Interesting. I, I do. No hate. I just... How is it? And, no and, and, and I have my reasons. I'm sure I have my reasons. So. We're gonna di- we're gonna dive into this. Um, yeah. Ooh! Oh wow! Look at wow, that! Look at that! Nate's so, got it on the screen in nice. our forefront headquarters. Pretty nice. This is really what we need to be doing. When we rank these, we need to project on this. Good, Nate. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I do. I've talked to the audience. I've been messaging them, um, live tweeting, and I do have the best list according to the okay the, the crowds oh, the yeah. masses. Just before we move on, speaking of which, KB. We still got a beef with you, KB. It's, it's up on the screen. So it's, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he Kill meant Bill. it short it's, for Kill Bill. Instead but. of Kill Bill, Chris wrote KB, which yeah. reminds us of, really, but, I don't know if we want to air that right now, the Dirty Laundry, but there's there's a beef yeah. between uh, KB and Forefront. It used to be just me and KB. It's extended to all of Forefront now. Okay. Uh, he ghosted one of my Insta- Instagram DMs. It's a long story. Anyway. Now, before um, you go, Cody, I did just yeah. want to point out, we have another list in the form of Chris's list that lists those three movies in his top three. Yeah, and it's a it's really good, and it's That's you have two, Hollywood so, and Django. You so do it, have two would, of the top three. It would seem that you're outnumbered, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's in, I don't know what that means. We don't know what Cody's crowd. list is yet. Uh, it's not really Cody's list; it's the audience's. list. This is the problem with That's democracy. True. It's a crowd. You're not all right. This is crowd pulled. It's too small a sample size to talk about. Oh, you're outnumbered. All right, let's hear it. Here we go. Hateful Eight, number nine. Okay. Actually love the movie. Again, great movie. Okay. But it's it's nine. Kill Bill 1, Ooh. eight. Okay. Kill Bill 2, seven. Mm-hmm. Jackie Brown, six. Okay. Reservoir Dogs, five. Okay. Django, four. Mm-hmm. Inglorious Bastards, three. Pulp Fiction, obviously, two. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is my number one. And it might mm-hmm. just be because that's the one we most recently watched. I had a margarita at the end. I was having a great <laughs> night. It was really fun. And it's a total hangout movie. It, it is, is a slow burn. But you just, you're hanging out with Brad Pitt, Leo. Don't they almost feel like your friends yes, after you do. watch that movie? Yes, you're do. like, oh, yeah, I'm going to text Leo, you know, see if he wants to go out to get some tacos or something. Yeah. Hop in that, the car with Brad. That's right. Um, so, boys, that's what I did. I do have Django 4, right? So okay. he's, he's in all your top three. Yep. And he's four for me. I actually love, I love, love, love it. But in Glorious Bastards, guys, Pulp Fiction is like 
it's the Tarantino movie. I mean, it that and what I'm surprised by is I was I was kind of browsing lists earlier today after I'd already made my list, but I was just curious. Older folks, I think if you're 15 years older than us, you love Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. Like it's way higher on a lot of people's lists, which I was surprised by. I really enjoy well, it. You got to think about this too. You know how like people, you know, without question, everyone's like, you're like, which Star Wars trilogy is the best? Mm-hmm. Anybody that was alive when yeah, the first yeah. one came out loves the first one, right? right. Reservoir Dogs is the first one, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And yeah. for me, Pulp Fiction is still in that era, and it's not just about the time of Pulp Fiction; it's about the the iconic power of that movie and the mo- the moments where I'm like, is he allowed to do this in movies? Yeah. Like the the non sequential storytelling, the the pop culture references, how funny it is, how like just shocking and unexpected it is. I just that movie, I kind of entered it. I took my first steps into a larger world yeah. when I saw that movie. Okay, so little yeah. little Obi Wan reference there, but it's true. That yeah. movie really uh, woke me up to. I don't know. I, I think it's too low. Where where is Pulp Fiction with you, Rich? Where is it on your list? I mean. Unf- it's hard to even say because it's a fantastic movie. You do love it, right? Uh, yeah, I'm no, it's a fantastic argue. movie, okay. but I, uh, it's a number six for me. And and the reason why it's not on top for me is, you know, again, very difficult to make these decisions. I think the three that I did put on the top, again, the good and evil bit really wins out for me. But that aside, when you take the three, uh, let's say, more moral compassed movies out of the way, um, the reason why I put Jackie Brown and Reservoir Dogs above it is because I feel like Pulp Fiction is, it, it leaves me feeling a little dirtier than Jackie Brown and <laughs> Reservoir Dogs. Fair enough. And I feel like the story, there's more, the story of both Jackie Brown and Reservoir Dogs is more interesting to me. It like plays with my mind a little more. Mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction's fantastic. I think Pulp Fiction has the most, is the most quotable definitely. and the most like meme worthy. Mm-hmm. And I definitely recognize the fact that it, broke new ground in so many ways when it came out and i respect it for that yeah but um now that i've seen all the movies the reason why it's number six is because it's not one that i'd be like jumping to show to someone else as much as some of the other ones right i mean i've i've always heard and you know and i strongly believe that pulp fiction is the movie that like if someone says will i like quentin tarantino Mm-hmm. You show them Pulp Fiction because Pulp Fiction will decide whether or not like Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. See, has, I disagree with that really? because, like, for example, my wife really enjoyed Django and Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, I highly doubt my wife would enjoy Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. So, mm, but yeah, but it, you know, the, the idea is, you know, I I, and I think there is a differentiation between like what makes a good, you know, I mean, at least for me, like Tarantino films. Um, to me, like a like a like a good Tarantino film is that one where it doesn't, you know, it doesn't. It's not that it like that that it's like discordant, but it it just doesn't line up with what I think reality should be. And then on top of that, it's almost like the same reason, you know, that people, you know, that people, you know, go you know go skydiving or you know they like scary movies or something like that. There's that moment where you're like. You're just waiting for that time where there's going to be the violent, or there's going to be, there's going to be that show-stopping joke. Tarantino movies definitely pull the same strings as horror movies. They do, they mm-hmm. do, and so I think that that Pulp Fiction has that same factor, where it's like it's so kind of like weirdly bizarre, kind of like yeah, you're you never settle in, and I think that's the reason why I put Jackie Brown at the bottom. 
was because to me, Jackie Brown, it's a great movie. But it doesn't feel like it's truly Quentin Tarantino because it, it, it just seems predict- like it's it's very linear. It's just kind of like... It's predictable, it's, especially it's when a, you've seen the other ones. Like, like it's kind of like... It, it seems like that movie is just... It's a great movie, but it yeah. just not doesn't have his enough of his touch in it. Here, here's, what I, here's what I love about Pulp Fiction. I just realized it. I am so tired of... It, almost every like there's nothing original it feels like coming out at the theaters it's always like this is based on a book or an older movie or uh, e- even Inglorious Bastards which is in, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood which is number one on my list is still based on another event you know and he's totally creative about how he tells the story of course but Pulp Fiction and I wouldn't even be surprised if someone comes and tells me well actually it was a short story written by you know Elmore Leonard but <laughs> But there is something so original and creative about it that I just admire so much, and I just wish we had more of. So maybe that's why I respect it so much. Um, any other gripes about these lists? I mean, Rich, I'm sorry for attacking you. You, I do realize yeah, you do like Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I do. You love. Yeah. So I don't right. know why. I mean, I'm, right, let me. I feel like there's one thing that should be addressed. I put <laughs> I put Kill Bill one and two at the bottom, and I noticed that. You guys did not. Did not. I don't mind um, that. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about that for yeah. a minute because oh, that's, I, that's I know fair. a lot of people, or not a lot of people, but I know a handful of people that have only seen the Kill Bills as far as Tarantino goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, my I enjoyed those a lot, but I would say everything that I like about Inglorious Bastards, for example, I feel like is not present in Kill Bill. And what I mean by that is Kill Bill, I feel like both of them are the the most if you take the little ingredients that make a Tarantino movie Kill Bill is more shocking unrealistic mm-hmm. unnecessary gore and language yeah. that doesn't really have like really any purpose mm-hmm. except you feeling like you just showered in blood you yeah. know what i mean and i feel like the and i feel like a ringing endorsement. Still, no, yeah. still, still a very, very entertaining and well written and well shot style man. story. Ooh, very stylistic. Style. I love the fact that he changes. Uh, the reason why I give number one over number two. Love the anime portion. Well, you do. So you were a sucker for that. I was I think, just going to bring that up. I, th- I thought it was so creative, so cool. Um, the way and it like fit seamlessly. I just thought it was mm-hmm. sweet. Um, also, the second one kind of loses me a little bit because mm-hmm. it's so not loses me, but like the the Kill Bill thing, like what's so interesting about it, like the crazy stylism and the sword fighting and whatever is like cool. But then by the time I'm in like the fourth hour, I'm like, okay, yeah. I get it. People are yeah, dying, yeah. getting buried. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I, I think what drew me to it, and why why I put it higher on the list, I'm not sure about you guys, why I put it higher on the list was because it, it did have all those elements, you know, that did have, you know, the Tarantino stuff, you know, was, oh, it had kind of, oh, you know, the kind of the weird, quirky storyline and didn't exactly fit up from reality. But I liked the fact of, you know, the yes, there was a lot of, there, there, that there was revenge in it. But to me, it seemed a little bit more justified simply because um, they had... Um, you know, the, the idea that they had tried to kill her mm-hmm. and, and ultimately they had killed her daughter. Yeah, there's a character in there. There's there's reason for all there the is, bloodshed. There, there, there is something where you're like, I want to kill these people on this list. And we're like, oh, you shouldn't do And they're like, yeah, but they tried to kill me and they killed my unborn daughter. Right. You know, they killed my daughter. It's like, oh, okay, well then. 
Right on. Went ahead. Yeah. And, I, and so I think for me, that kind of, not saying it's right or wrong, but it justified it a yeah, little bit more no, for no. me. Yeah, for sure. And I remember saying this when I watched it with you guys. The one thing at the end, though, is I remember at the very end, Chris, or I think it was you, I, I forget who it was, but somebody was like, wow, it's so great. Like, she's like, God, she's, she's with her daughter now. It's so awesome. And I was like, this woman is clearly going to be a terrible mother. No way. No way. She's not bro. No way. She's she did it for her. She did it for her. I'm sorry. My mom is a sweet woman, but if I found out that she had murdered countless people with a sword, I would be like, Whoa, what if you then learned it was to avenge you? I don't know. Vengeance is the Lord's man. What's what's the sword? What's the sword maker? Uh, Tori Hanzo. Tori Hanzo. That's a lot um, so good. Okay, uh, Nate. Dark real, saber. I'm super curious. <laughs> Here we go. Here he goes. He's feeling left out, so he's gonna oh, start we gotta sprinkling put, we gotta Star put Wars the, reference. We gotta get the span, the Mandalorian. Cody's like, you will try. <laughs> Nate, I want. I'm super curious. Actually, is there? So you've seen three. Is there one where you're like, if I watched another one, I'd probably be this one. Like this one, I'm actually curious about. I mean, that's a question I, I actually have for you guys because I was thinking maybe Hateful Eight, but honestly, like a lot of people, including you guys, have been like, yeah, Hateful Eight's mm-hmm. like fine, but it's not great. Yep. Um, so what, what would you recommend if you were going to watch one Re- more? Really quickly, the scene with Samuel L. Jackson talking to the Confederate soldier yeah. and telling the Ooh. story about his son is it's, not, is it's something that I think no Christian should listen no, to. I, I was ever. about to say, I was about to say, the one reason why I would not suggest Hateful Eight unless you are trying to like knock off all the pins in the canon yeah. is because there is one, one sequence, or one or maybe even two sequences. Sequences that are like so disturbing. Like the rest of it is okay, but then there's like two sequences that are so uncomfortable. The, and this, the movie, the movie is aptly named. We'll say that these are some hateful, hateful individuals, people. Yes. hateful right? people. Yes. And 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 that in that scene, there really is a character change where you take someone mm-hmm. who who you felt was kind of the hero. Yeah, kind of the hero of the film. You know, you know, quite you know, quite possibly the protagonist of the film, and you're like. Oh, you are just as messed up as everyone else. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. I. So I, not I that. Not so that. I'm gonna say this. I already passed on Pulp Fiction, which Cody loves. I would oh, say I would I say love. watch Reservoir Dogs Reservoir or Dogs. or watch Pulp Fiction and skip a. It's a literally like a four minute <laughs> sequence that you skip. I think the, the maybe ten, depending on how you measure the sequence. But you skip that sequence and you don't need to see. You know, the, the it's kind of irrelevant to the story. Yeah, yeah, it I is. mean, it's just shocking and it's, it's bizarre. It's a shock factor moment. I don't, re- I don't revisit that movie for the sh- that. I just revisit it for <laughs> the characters and the dialogue. By the way, Vincent Vega, uh, brothers with Mr. Blonde in the Tarantino universe. Vic really? Vega, Mr. Blonde. I, I, I never really stuck in the middle with you, the yeah, ear yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. John Travolta. They're brothers. You, are you saying Confirmed John by Travolta Tarantino. and that? No, no, not the no, actors. Okay, okay. characters. Vega I see. Vic okay. Vega. God. Also, got it. the guy in Hateful Eight, the British chap in Hateful Eight, yeah. the hangman, yeah. is a forefather, like a great great grandfather of the British dude that gets caught oh. pretending to be a German in the basement of Inglorious Bastards. As, Oswaldo oh. Mowbray. Is that the Hateful Eight character? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I love his name. Yeah. Go <laughs> speaking to Kings. Yeah. That guy. So, uh, oh, okay. Those, yeah, re- relatives. He's actually a German in real life. How fascinating. He does oh. this all the time. In in Kill Bill, when she's coming out of the earth, right? When she's buried alive, mm-hmm. she comes yeah, out yeah. of the earth, Kill Bill 2. 
there's a gravestone that says Schultz, Paula Schultz, mm. as in Mr. Schultz of the Django Unchained the Bounty yeah. Hunter dude. Mm-hmm. So there's oh, he's yes. he's a psychopath about yeah. how he like connects yeah. these movies. Um, Cody's read the trivia. <laughs> I just was preparing. Yeah, that's cool. But well, one thing I will say just before it gets away from me is one of my favorite things about Tarantino and most of the film directors that I have the most respect for, they do this thing, which is they work with the same squad of actors as much as they can. I think that's so cool. How many of Tarantino's actors are in multiple of his movies? Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome. I think Tim Burton does that really well. You know, yeah, like there are I other directors that. that do that. Yeah. yeah. All right. For Nolan. What? That's right. Christopher Nolan. We're going to, we're going to try to wrap this up, but I want to hit a few more things super quickly. Uh, if I say, uh, favorite Tarantino scenes in a movie. What comes to mind for you? I'll I'll go briefly. It's the scene in Inglorious Bastards where they're in the basement and uh, the, our boy gets caught um, doing the wrong three sign and the German dude finds out. And that whole time in the basement where they're playing the the ancient headbands game, right? Um, the the dialogue there, the tension there, the drama, incredible. My favorite, easily. I, I was just thinking. So, someone else go ahead because I, I got one or two. I'm trying to decide which is my favorite. Okay. I, I'm cheating, but the, the, uh, my favorite uh, thing to look at in the Tarantino movies is the scenes when in uh, Django Unchained when they're riding through the mountains. Oh, so good. So good. Uh, but my favorite scene in Tarantino movies is actually the scene in the beginning of Reservoir Dogs. When they're all oh, sitting at the table, at the just, talking, they're talking, just about talking, tipping. When they're talking about tipping, because and and Steve Buscemi's like, I don't tip, I don't tip. Yeah, yeah, I, it's so good. It's and how real people talk. It's it like, yeah, not only that, but like at the time that I first saw this movie, I was doing like amateur acting, mm-hmm. and that scene is an absolute just goldmine for like acting ability because it's easy to act in a bombastic way. Mm -hmm. But these dudes are all sitting around a table playing a different person, Mm -hmm. just having a conversation over coffee at a diner about tipping. Mm -hmm. And they all play, they all have a very distinct and believable character. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. The way it's written and the way it's acted. It's just so good. Amazing. Yeah. So good. Um, I'm also a huge fan of uh, Rick Dalton and... Oh, I'm, I'm blanking. Rick Dalton. I'm Rick. The trailer scene. <laughs> You're Rick freaking Dalton. The trailer scene is hard to watch. It's incredible. Oh, it's I hard to watch. It. Oh, he's talking about his, his Brad whiskey Pitt. sour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eight whiskey sours. You drunk. Could I throw you an alcoholic? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, it's uh, Rick Dalton and Brad Pitt are chilling. Cliff. In Cliff. Oh, and yeah. they're just watching. They're just they're just hanging out, being friends, watching the FBI show oh, together yeah. that he just started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something simple about that. It's, it kind of reminds me of like Oceans, yeah. the Oceans movie when uh, Clooney and Pitt are just like watching TV watching together. Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any other scenes? Any other noteworthy scenes? We're gonna shout out quickly. Um, I'd say for me, it's a toss up between the walking scene, um, in uh, in in Pulp Fiction when they're walking up the apartment building, and they have to wait. It's not oh quite my time. gosh! Yes, that Great and scene. then the Rick Dalton uh, trailer scene. Yes. I, I say, I mean, oh, the acting in both of those, yep. especially the DiCaprio and and the Rick Dalton scene, is just it shows their ability to just embody a character as an actor. Yep. So, yep. yep. Two things, super quick. I can't believe I forgot. 
I might even replace that Reservoir Dogs scene. The opening sequence of Inglorious Bastards yeah. is oh, art. Oh my, oh my god. We have not even art. talked about Christoph Waltz or yeah. Hans oh, Landa. Yeah. Yeah. The what tension a, yeah. in that, that scene. It is art. Oh, yeah. oh and, and his, I'll and go his, part two. I don't know. And Volume two. What uh Christoph Waltz's real time switching between multiple languages. Oh my god. Yeah. So cool. Um but I also got to say, we can't talk about it too long, but just can't talk about Tarantino without mentioning this. Tarantino's selection of music oh, gosh. is yes. almost unmatched. Yes. Get out of town. I mean, the soundtracks. I, this yeah. is, we're just getting into it, and we got to close this shop I here, know. but we could we could go on. We might, there might be a... We do an entire podcast on the music of yeah. Tarantino. I would say, right if there. I had to pick, Django well, Unchained is the best oh, yeah. soundtrack. soundtrack. Absolutely. Yeah. You got Rick Ross in there. That was a shocker. Mm. Um... <laughs> All right, uh, really quickly, I had I don't know if we have time to answer this. If you had if you had to be mentored by one of the characters in a Tarantino universe, who would you choose? I'm going with Pi May, mm. so I could learn the five point palm exploding heart technique. Oh, Kill Bill nice. two. Um, it's it's going to be brutal brutal months with him studying under him, but I'll be a better man for it. I feel like afterward, sure. not that I want to explode anyone's heart, but I'd like to have the power in case the situation should arise. Oh. Um, what you got anyone come to mind for you guys as far as uh I'd say King Schultz. King oh, Schultz. absolutely. King Schultz. He he just has this he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's very calm. He's very much like, "Hey, you know, I have a warrant for this person. I've shot them. Here you go." And he, he wants the best also, for you. And he, and he, did, yeah. he invests in Django. He, he's right? also one of the few if only like Truly, truly good people yes. in the Tarantino films. I mean, he's like the only non-racist in the entire <laughs> no, he's super the good United thing. States. They had because he's German. They had to after the uh, Hans the Hans Lander. Oh, yeah, they had to redeem the German <laughs> Christoph yeah, Waltz. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. How about how about this, boys? Christopher Walken's character in Pulp Fiction just seems like a man of his word. What do we think about that? Guy who stores the watch for his war buddy. Oh, <laughs> oh, wow! I what a completely what a good forgot friend. about that. I mean, good friend. Entirely, entirely unnecessary. The integrity, totally <laughs> unnecessary. The integrity. All right, we gotta we gotta roll here. Uh, oh. friends, final oh. thoughts. We could go on and on and on. What I finally, what I love about Tarantino is that he he makes films that impress art critics because he he does stuff excellently, but he also acknowledges the value of pop culture mm-hmm. and isn't afraid to uh, include the lowbrow stuff in his movies. Yep. Talking about McDonald's and Royale cheese and the marriage of those two things is so wonderful. Cause one of the, my biggest fears at forefront here is that we would come off as pretentious and like, Oh, we're better than you because we like fine art. Right. Uh, but there is uh, just something incredible about the way Tarantino blends the, the highbrow and lowbrow that I just, yeah, that's, I think that's what uh, captivates me about. Yeah. And, and, and I think across the board, you know, whether, whether or not you hear this and you're like, yeah, I want to go out and I want to sell Tarantino and I, it sounds really interesting. Or if you're like, it's really not for me, you know, I believe that, you know, both TV and film are something that are, is a great medium that can bring people together and are really a great thing to share with people. So if it's not Quentin Tarantino, which I would, I would recommend Quentin Tarantino, who he's, he's one of my favorites, but if it's not Quentin Tarantino, find an actor, find a, find a director, find a producer that you love, mm-hmm. go into their, in, in, into their body of work. Find the similarities, fall in love with it, enjoy them with others. Yeah, and and that's the most important part. Enjoy them with others. Find other people that you can bring into the fold, other people who are like minded that you can discuss it with. Because I believe that you know, especially especially now these days, you know, we we really need to kind of come together. We need to find common ground. There's too much splitting us apart now. There we go. 
There we go. His first podcast, he's exiting like a baller. With that, we cannot say another word. I, I couldn't have said it. Could not have said it better myself, Chris and uh, Jake Lloyd. Uh, thanks for joining us for this special episode of Forefront 360. If you enjoy the show, consider leaving us a rate and a review. Uh Leave a terrible review if you want. I mean, any press is good press. So until next time, keep pursuing authentic faith and excellent art.